podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. And welcome to an episode of Red Alert September for Anfield Index. I'm your normal host, ladies and gents, Dave Davis, coming to you from what is now a dark, but has been a pretty miserable Edinburgh all day. It is windswept and it is chucking it down. And I'm pleased to be joined by a bit of a twist this time, because it is my usual cohort, Mark Evans. So I'll go to him first of all. Mark, are we okay? Yeah, very well, mate. Just back from Aldi. Feeling good. Looking forward to this. Yeah, just just for the record, Mark has more holidays than like Judith Chalmers, to be honest. So yeah, he should be well refreshed. And in a twist, in a twist, after the last five fighting forwards pod, that was a mouthful to say, I am pleased to say, basically, because he just kept arguing with Mark and cutting across him and trying to belittle all his points, I thought, why change a winning happy formula? So I'm delighted to say we've also got Jamesy with us. James, how are we? I'm very well, David. Thank you so much for the intro. <laughs> Looking forward to this one, though. Yeah, indeed, people. We have got a lot to talk through. In in simple terms, people, we'll go through the normals. We'll talk through September's results, which, I don't know, September seemed to go on for five years in a way with all the games, but there's plenty to walk through, talk through for the team, for the players, who performed, who didn't. Plenty of positives for the Reds. We'll also talk about off-the-field matters as well, because there's a a small manner of a, a 1980s American-style investment now into the club, if you watch your TV trivia. And we'll also have a look at the month ahead because it does not stop in October. Just a little disclaimer, we are not going to spend the next five hours banging on about VAR in the nicest way, people, because there is plenty going on. But we have got to cover everything September and. I mean, lads, look, just the results in September. I mean, I'm, I'm just looking at them stacked up. We beat Villa at home 3-0. We beat Wolves away 3-1 in the early kickoff. We had the last game, the 3-1, I should say, as well, the, uh, the away game. We beat West Ham then at home 3-1. This Thursday, Sunday. It keeps going, lads. Another 3-1. Leicester at home in the Carabao. And then, obviously, there was the unfortunate defeat to Spurs to round off the month last Saturday with a, a whole load of things going on in that. But, Mark, I'll come to you first for this one. I mean, when I look back at it, September seemed to go on for forever. But let's be honest, let's not mince our words considering what we thought it could have been last month. September was pretty shit hot, was it not? It was completely shit hot. It was a brilliant month. It wasn't until I sort of looked at it as a month and a whole that I realised just how good it's been. And even that was on the back of wins before September. So we've been on absolute fire. I mean, you just touched on all the results there. We we battered Villa. We 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 battled with, uh, with Wolves and had a fantastic result there. One where I think you have to kind of be in a good season to get that kind of result, you know, where you can leave it late and your, your left back of all things, you know, comes up and gets you the points. Those those kind of things are, are just massive in a season, you know. You can go back to the season where Andy Robertson scored that Villa goal late on, you know, and those those uh, points, they really add up when uh, when all is said and done. Uh, our second string had two pretty good runouts against Lask and Leicester. Uh, some great goals in amongst it all. We absolutely dominated the second half against West Ham. Again, a brilliant goal from uh, Darwin to kind of put us back in front. And then 
unfortunately, the final game against Spurs is disappointing, but also not disappointing, if we're honest. You know, with 11 men, the better team, with 10 men, maybe the better team, and with nine men, absolutely heroic, right to the last, well, almost the last, one kick short. But all in all, I mean, we picked up nine out of the 12 points in the league. We threw in the League Cup 100% in the Europa League. We scored 16 goals, conceded six. Um, mostly very strong, lots of fighting performances. There's there's just loads and loads to be positive about this month, I think. And uh, and yeah, I think like I, I won't I won't go into too many more details because there's so many games. I'll I'll be talking forever if I go into the who scored, who can you know all the things that went right and wrong. And we're going to touch on a lot of those as the pod goes. So I think I'll just leave it with it was a brilliant month, and and there's just a lot to be positive about going forward. It does feel that way. And Jamesy, you're one of those hippie-ish style vibe people. You've probably got one of those things in your toilet that says live life, love or something like that. You're one of those types and probably strike me as an Etsy candle shopping type of man. But are you feeling the same? Have you had a good vibe all the way through September? I guess how I like to kind of look at this is it's went from being pretenders and the contenders for the league. That's the way I look at September. Also as well, it was with three matches where Van Dijk wasn't playing and then we also lost Trent as well. So we've had Madip and we've also had Gomez playing absolutely fantastic for September. Who knew, eh? Who knew, boys? Yeah, when no it- one's going to comment that. No one's going to give you any justice. Just get on with it. Also, as well as the mentality of obviously going behind and to be able to come back um, and, and to put in a really good performance, especially the, the Wolves game as well. Wolves is a is a bit of a slippery ticket. And again, we prevailed there. And Andy Robertson as our captain was absolutely phenomenal. Just how he kind of just dragged the, the team. Um, and his goal, just how he actually went from 40 yards. He kept running. Mo put the ball through and it was just a great finish. And I guess, you know, we were we were talking about Endo. Um Endo playing against Leicester, playing at number six, how he protected that back four and how he kind of just knitted those passes together. I was really impressed with Endo Endo um in, in that game. And then to, to, to top that all off is the last the LASK game, you had Ben Doak. I mean, Ben Doak, 17 years of age, every time he got the ball, he looked like he was going to do something. He was an absolute firecracker. I just loved watching him. Look at this, lads. Honestly, pretenders into contenders, firecrackers, shit hot. It's even I am really struggling to to pick holes in the month of September. And I'm really Kind of as, as you boys alluded to, I'm not going to sort of pick too many holes because there's heroic efforts from the 10 and eventually nine men, wasn't there, on on Spurs that way as well. You know, you, you can't really. And I'll give you a due, James E. I know you like him. So Gomez and Matip, got to give them that as well. Have been, I'll say it, yeah, I think they, they've been excellent this month. And I'll probably come to you for this one, first of all, James E. I mean, there is a lot of peaks as opposed to trough there's, but when you're stacking it up, what are you looking at as like, that was the best bit of the month and that was maybe the dip or the sad part at all? Okay. Well, obviously the sad part was the, yeah, I don't want to go on about it, but obviously our, our game against um, Tottenham uh, and, and that's kind of the sad part of the month because um, that would have just rounded up an absolute fantastic, but I'm not, we're not going to kind of cry over spilt milk. It's done. We can't do much about it. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise, and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. 
I, I was I was worried a little bit about obviously going behind. I mean, you know, we went behind against Wolves. We went um, behind against LASK, and again, what a what a finish that was. But it it was that kind of mentality of here we go again. But again, when it comes to everything, and when it look we look at the bright spots, this Liverpool team is on fire. They're scoring from everywhere. So Bosley's goal against West Ham and then his goal against Leicester. I mean, oh my goodness, pick that out. Uh, Again, must give a a mention to Endo. And again, obviously I talked about Doak as well. They're big bright spots for us moving forward. And Gravenberch as well, because again, you know, we got his debut and I I felt like he did really well. Yeah. it really is. It's, it's it's almost, I think, Mark, to be fair, because I'll come to you, I know you said it, it's almost, is there enough time? And this is brilliant. This is what we always wanted, really, to be talking about all the positives that did exist in September. Did you sort of have any high points, low lights, anything like that at all? Yeah, yeah, I mean, as far as best moments go, you can either look at kind of individual moments from players or you can look at the games themselves. I thought the Robertson goal against Wolves, just because of what it meant, that kind of fight back, that was a really difficult fixture. I think, like, it's, at the end of the season, you'll look back and not really remember just how hard that was, but it was. It was one of those where you drop points most times at that stage in the game being level. And uh, we found a way just with sheer guts, which which I love when a team has that, and that kind of will to get themselves over the line no matter what. And that's the most positive thing for me generally, is that we look like we've just got that in spades this year. And and that's all over the park. I mean, James, he was just touching on individuals there, you know, guys who are just kind of finding their place in the team, your dopes, your endos, your gravenbirches. These guys are all coming in and now they're coming into a team that looks a little bit more grounded, a little bit more settled. And it's a lot easier for these guys to come in and make a kind of positive impact. And as positive as that is, though, I think the big moments are, like I said, the Robertson goal. I thought both of Sabozlai's goals were out of this world. He's kind of proven what we all hoped was going to be the case because he looked pretty class in his first month. But he's he's really gone to the moon now, hasn't he? He, he looks just unbelievable. He looks world class. I, I I desperately want to see him sort of compared to Bellingham, and I don't think we're getting that far away from that. That you know the one we picked as the alternative. I think he I think he's certainly in that conversation. I know Bellingham's had an incredible start himself, but so has Sabozlai in a in a totally different way too. Just looks an athlete. Looks. Dedicated. I love everything he says. I love the way he sort of holds himself. I love the way when we go down to 10 men, he, he steps up another level. I love that you're desperate for him to shoot. You know, every time he gets even a tiny glance, we've not had that for so long. I just, I'm, I'm really, really all in on Sabozlai. And uh, then the other, the other two sort of big goals that stand out for me was uh, the Nunes one against West Ham to put us in front. That, I thought that was a really special finish again from Nunez. Brilliant moment and uh, led us to the points ultimately. And then also one little positive point for Gakpo, getting that equaliser before the injury against Spurs, because we touched on him a lot over the last couple of pods, the forwards pods, the, uh, the, the previous month's pods. And it had largely been negative stuff around Gakpo, kind of hoping that he would find some form, find his feet. And I think that goal there was that kind of moment for him. You know, it was a real bit of quality, properly buried it. It's just a shame it came with uh, came with the you know with the injury after it. And then kind of to move on to the 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 poorer the poorer moments, I think they pretty much all come in that Spurs game, really, don't they? It's 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 the classic big ones. It's the the red card for Jones, which I don't think was the Diaz goal, which obviously was, and. The really, really, really unfortunate Matip, who had been a fucking monster in that game and just didn't deserve that, frankly. He really didn't. Yeah, it's such a it's a tough one when I was looking because your instinct naturally, probably for all of us, draws us towards that Spurs game and all the talk, everything that's happened, the sense of injustice and all that. But it was weird when I kind of when I look back through at September fully, my sort of the best and the the lowest moments, or not the lowest, but just the slight concerns I'm going to sort of phrase it as for me, are kind of linked together. 
I love, and James mentioned it almost, the mentality, the fight back. Here we go again, this team. This team, when they're 1-0 down or they meet adversity, they react in the right way, like you said, with Zabozlai, you know, the performances are across the board. They, they've they got real fight and grit. You cannot doubt that for one second. And they showed that pretty much most games, if not all of them, during September. The thing that kind of just ties to me a little bit for, it's not a low moment, but it's just concern. You can't keep going 1-0 down and getting away with it forever. Now, I know you could look at that and go, hold on, they didn't go 1-0 down against Villa type of thing. But if you look at the, the sort of entirety of that month, four out of six games, they went behind. And you just won't necessarily keep getting it away. And I know it's been a sort of talking point that just, I don't know if it's early concentration, Klopp's mentioned that, what it is. But if we could just cut out sort of a, giving the opposition most of the time a one-goal head start, it would probably make our lives easier. But yeah, quite a quite a lot of positives overall, gents. I don't want to sort of override that by any means. And players, listen, we we, we started waxing lyrical about some. There's there's no two ways about it. There was a lot of contenders for almost a a player of the month in September. For you, I'll come to you for this one, Mark. First of all, I mean, I, I'm still struggling, so I'm probably going to hear your cases then, Jamesy. But who have you kind of going for for sort of? player of the month, young player of the month for this one? Well, th- this kind of sums up how good the month's been, right? Because we've just both had, and the three of us really, have all just had a little go at saying how good it is and picking out our moments and this and that. And not one of us has mentioned the guy who I think is the player of the month, which is Alison. Absolutely fucking incredible this month, Alison. He really was. It, it, I mean, he's had a great Liverpool career, but I think we're seeing him now at a level we haven't even seen him at before. I think he's playing that well. Some of these saves we're seeing, there was a couple in the Spurs game. I mean, they are out of this world, really out of this world. There was that low down one against, uh, I think it was the West Ham game, wasn't it? He gets right down low to, to a bow and header and it turns that round. Key moments in games, enormous saves, just just somehow has managed to elevate himself to, to a level now where I think you can pretty confidently say there isn't a better goalie in the world than Alisson. He's been in the conversation the whole time, but now I think he's... He's elevated himself to a level where he has no equal. He's the best goalie around. He's the best goalie I've ever seen for Liverpool. There's no question about that. He's playing at the highest level. He looks like he's just going to go on and on, really, you know, for the coming years. it's We're just so fortunate in in that position, having him and Kelleher sitting behind him. And then I guess the other two I would I would give most notable mentions to are Another guy we've barely even said a word about, as usual, despite him being world-class almost every single time, is Salah, been phenomenal. Again, his passing has gone up to a level that is just ridiculous. These balls he's playing, it's it's one or two a game at this stage that are like world-class. I mean, proper Lionel Messi-style passing, cutting through defences and putting chances on a plate for his for his teammates. And uh, and it, you're almost expecting them now that they're that they're that frequent. And the final one is Sabozla. I think he was just absolutely supreme in that month. There really did incredible every single time. I saw a stat earlier that he played something like you know thirty percent of his minutes for Liverpool with ten men or less, and he's he still looked nothing nothing less than less world class in in every one of them for me. It is, yeah. It, it is mental. I, funnily enough, those are some similar names that I'm swithering on. Did you have a a young player of the month? Because I know we've talked about it. There have been some kids that have really shone and we shouldn't sort of gloss over them at all. Any young player that stood out for you at all? Yeah, there was. Yeah, absolutely. Kwanzaa was the big one for me. And again, we haven't even mentioned him, despite having mentioned about 12, 13 players that have been excellent. What a month Kwanzaa had. I mean, we came into the season pretty worried about that kind of depth in defence and uh, where that, you know, where, where we would find ourselves if if some of the key members were, were found injured or as time has kind of proved it to be suspended. And lo and behold, that happened really quickly in the season. Kanati's had this little ongoing issue. Van Dyke's been suspended. Uh, we've been left to rely on Gomez and Matip, which... We'll touch on after, um, but Kwanzaa has also kind of come into the come into the party, and 
He started against Wolves. I thought he was brilliant in that game. Really tough place to go and let's start a game of that magnitude in there. A tough, tough ground. And I thought he was superb. Came on against Villa. Got 20 minutes there. Again, n- nothing uh, nothing bad to report. Started again against Leicester. Really, really good. I think he's uh, he, he must be feeling like really, really good about how, how time's gone for him. You know, I, I don't think... In his wildest dreams, he would have imagined this many minutes this early. And not just that, how well they've gone. You know, you, you can look at the, not just the defending, but the way he assisted the Jota goal in the Leicester game. He he didn't look phased at all. Did he striding into the box as he wins it back and have, getting his head up, picking his man. Really, really impressed with him. I, I, I properly am. Doesn't look like a youth player coming in, does he? Looks more like... You know, a squad player who is physically absolutely ready to to come in and do his bit. Yeah, they're, 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 I think all that fair. There just are so many positives. I mean, Jamesy, for you, I mean, I'm not going to, I won't sort of take it away from you because you could make a case for some completely different players. It has been that good, really, has in September. Who are you sort of pipping for for your best senior, best youth player for the month? I mean, Mark's hit the nail on the head. I mean, you know, what he said is, is perfectly, like, everything's justified. I mean, Salah's ball to Diaz at the very end of that uh, match against Spurs. To be fair, Salah, uh, Diaz should have scored that. The What a ball, just the inside of the foot. He just bent yeah. it and it came to him. Like, that was fantastic. But how many of them he did through the, you know, through September and his passing, you know, again, waxing lyrical. It's becoming, you know, we're always talking about Salah being a, a, you know, it's very ball greedy, but now he's very much like head up and he's looking for his teammate. And it's just a great to see because I personally, I think it's what he could have just kind of had to his game and now he's added it. So I just think he's, he's just something else. And also as well, you think of September, um, you know, there was, is he going to go to Saudi? Is he not going to Saudi? You know, and we had that conversation. So to be able to just to push on and just let the football do the talking, it's just, it's just phenomenal. And then Sabozlai, you know, our, our number eight. I mean, you know, what's interesting about this is we've had many a pod boys where we're sitting talking about Keda and talking after 50 games and, you know, he's going to, he's going to push on and he's going to do this. Like, you know, think how many games a Bosley's had and how much he can still go up. It's still absolutely phenomenal. And then the last thing is Allison. I mean, you know, the guy needs a statue outside Anfield because he's that good. Honestly, he's just that good. He's just, his, his save against West Ham. And again, even a save against Villa, Maddy Cash with that header, that was a great save as well, if you can remember that. And then again, Son, how hard he hit that ball and he just smashes it over um, with his big old hands. I just absolutely loved it. <laughs> big old hands. <laughs> with his big old hands on his big old statue, eh? There you go. But yeah, it's... Do, do you know what, gents? I know normally as we do this format, we try and sort of drill down. I'm at, we're just going to do a triple award this month. Why not just let the love flow, so to speak? Because Alisson, incredible. Salah, exceptional. Like you said, the, the balls he's played at times this month, unbelievable. And Zabozlai, I know he, he got it for, for August, didn't he? But it, it just rolls on through September. And it almost feels like, I'm going to be honest, if you're asking me to split them, I'm going to have to go, you know, be derogatory in some way, if that makes sense. So we're not going to split them. We are going to label it Alisson. Salah, Zabozlai can share that award. The young player, I've got to be honest, I think this was clear for me. I agree completely with what Mark said on Kwanzaa, that really, Sean, this this boy looks to have real potential in regards to his calmness on the ball, his reading of the game, his passing ability. Even Van Dijk knocked a few over the top, and when everyone else was losing their head in that Wolves game, he was the calmest defender in the first half and almost steadied the ship a little bit as we were rocking somewhat. So he would do that. And and again, this is not trying to go to derogatory times or emphasis, but when I look at the other youngsters, maybe I thought they tried so hard and they had impact, but maybe it wasn't quite the month that young Dope probably wanted, wanted to get that first goal, hit the bar, didn't he, a few times, the post against last, and also... Harvey tried really hard and had moments, but 
for me, Kwanzaa does sweep that one quite easily. And speaking of players for this one, Mark, I mean, if you'd have said to me, literally a month ago, we'd be talking about these two as we're about to, I'd have just assumed you'd have taken glue before we'd have started this pod. But we were seriously worried about Joe Gomez and Joel Matip. Let's not pretend we were seriously worried just how wrong have we done them in September? Yeah, I mean, completely, essentially. We've been, we've been, I mean, I don't think our criticism was unfair. I think it was completely just based on uh, what we had seen, you know, in in, in yeah. quite a long spell, if we're honest. You know, for Gomez, probably even longer than Matip. Matip struggled last season pretty much for the entirety he was in the conversation with a lot of those guys, your Hendersons and Fabinho's, about legs gone. And if I'm honest, I didn't ever think we would see anything from Matip again. You know, just the very odd substitute appearance, the very odd kind of start when he was needed and hope that he wouldn't cost us. That was kind of my bar for Matip. And I think the Spurs one is kind of the pinnacle of it all because he he was good throughout the month generally. But in the Spurs game, that for me was as good as Matip ever has been. Um, in fact, you know, that's that's maybe not even been fair on the West Ham game because I thought he dominated uh, Antonio in the West Ham game. Properly dominated. I mean, Antonio's a handful. I mean, you can say what you like about him and, you know, his, his technical abilities and things, but... He's a he's an athlete. He's a monster. He's so difficult to compete against, just in the in physical terms. And Matip did it with relative ease. He got to every ball first. He knew when not to go a little too far, too, which is a kind of an an underrated value, I think, in a centre back. And we've touched on this previously with Kanati. He's occasionally guilty of not knowing when it can't be won, if you will. And uh, I thought Matip just held that. You know, drew that line perfectly uh, in the West Ham game, and in the in the Spurs game when when we went down to ten, when we went down to nine, I thought he was phenomenal. I thought he was worthy of standing with Van Dyke, you know, or, or his own peak standards, however you want to kind of size him up. I thought he he really played at a level that has now made me think. Well, if Quanta, Gomez, and Matip are all playing at this level. Then that's why we didn't buy. Uh, that's why we didn't buy another defender. And sometimes we we criticise Klopp, you know, for being too loyal, for maybe not seeing what's right in front of him, being too close to them, if you will. And uh, it looks like he's going to be proven right on uh, on on both. If if we're honest, uh, Gomez kind of different month, really. You know, he played at centre back sometimes and right back with Trent's absence a lot of the time. Uh, he had defensively I thought he was excellent a a, a couple of minor complaints but I mean you know who who doesn't in any game a set back it's difficult a right back it's difficult especially in that Liverpool right back position because we we, we pretty much asked him to do the, the kind of hybrid role for a lot of that month there and that is just not a natural thing in my opinion for Gomez to go and do but he did it really well a few mad sort of Cruyff turns and Maradona spins in the in the West Ham game, but ultimately got away with them. You know, didn't didn't cost us. Um, looked way worthy the shirt because of his age. I think that's a more promising thing than than the Matic performances because it's a real shame if we never see a good Gomez again. Really, the potential was enormous, and he had that one incredible season along with all the sort of good ones that went before it. So if we can get him back to being like a squad player or, or threatening to get in there. It's brilliant for us, but it, it's also great for the likes of Trent, you know, to have that little bit of actual competition there. If it becomes a, a genuine question of should Gomez hold the shirt? Uh, I, I mean, there's nothing but good can come of that for us. So, yeah, I mean, completely shocked me. Didn't see it coming. Delighted they've done it. Fair play to the boys. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m. 
Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, I think that's all fair. I mean, Jamesy, I know you're a man of positivity. You like your chakras. You like everything being in Zen. I mean, you must have been loving Matip and Gomez in September, surely. Yeah, I think a lot of people, you know, when we, and obviously you'd Van Dijk and he ended up getting suspended. You're like, oh, against Villa, it was Gomez and Matip, right? So we're like, oh, what's going to happen here? But again, out of all our, our, our results, uh, they kept a clean sheet, right? 3-0. They were Stuarts. And then obviously with Trent, and then he could, he got injured. And then we had Gomez on right, and then with Madib, and he kind of just marshaled. The only thing I'm going to say, and again, it's, it's just being diplomatic, is yes, September was fantastic. But again, we just have to take it into October and see. And Madib and Gomez are they're injury prone, and I don't want to take, I don't want to put a you know dampener on this, but they are. So again, only time will tell, Dave. And that's that's the way I'm going to sort of sit in the fence. I thought they'd done so you know fantastic in September, but let's see what October brings, and hopefully they can keep kicking on. I think that's fair. I think that's absolutely fair. Like. It is one month and it was one superb month for them against what you expected. And I, I like what you said there as well, Jamesy, because it easily gets forgotten that, obviously, a combo of what you said as well, Mark, Gomez was, for any mitigation of any slight mistakes he made, like the one against Spurs, he was asked to play that inverted Trent-style role so often, which is not his natural game. And whether it's a Cruyff term, whether it was Bambi on ice, it seemed a bit fortuitous, but he kept the ball a lot of the time. And, you know, <laughs> Well, however you want to describe it, so I've got to give him that. And at the same time, yeah, it's a really good point, Jamesy. If you look at where they came in and how they came in, it was with, at times, the captain missing. It was with, at times, the vice captain not there. They really, really stood up in certain ones, like, as you mentioned, the Antonio, and did us, you know, a sterling job. So... (laughs) I'm not going to even pretend I expect that level to keep up, but even just somewhere around, let's say, that level in October, probably diplomatics, fair to say, JJ, would be positive. And you mentioned the main man, and he's been a focus because if you go back last season, James E, to, to Big Yergs, there was, there was times with things like his substitution, the tactics, the formation, you were just, we were all looking, weren't we, and going, what the hell is going on? It just... It almost seems a full 360, and I don't know if that's fair to say, but if we talk about things like Klopp's subs, tactics, the lineups, just how right did he get September for you? Oh, yeah. It was great. I mean, you know, you've maybe seen it in articles Liverpool 2.0, and that's exactly what it has been. It's Liverpool 2.0. It's a complete refreshment of the squad, you can see that everyone's hungry. You can see everyone wants to play um, themselves. You can see what works, what doesn't work. I think we're on to something absolutely um, really, really special here. You know, we talk about Klopp and getting the best. I think this is one of the best teams that we're going to see Klopp putting together. Um, when it comes to tactics... Yeah, he, I mean, he is a master technician and I feel like a bit like, wow, he, even to question him, he just seems to know what he's doing. Obviously, that's why he's getting paid the big bucks. <laughs> but he's just he, he, he's just something else, to be truthfully honest with you, Dave. Uh, and Mark, I think he's just... Uh, I, I think he's one of a generational talent when it comes to a manager. Um, you think about how he, he's transformed Jones and how much Jones starts winning the ball. Uh, You think about how he brought in Sabozlai and McAllister, and then again, our front five and how strong everything is um, at Liverpool compared to last year where everything was leggy, Henderson, Fabinho, Milner, Keita, Ox. It was just like the nightmare was never ending because it was just so slow in midfield. And now 
you look at September and you're like, again, I'll use it, is that we're going from being a pretender and the contender. I like that. That's going to be one of our our snippet lines, as it were. I mean, same for you, Mark. Was you, Did Jurgen Klopp get pretty much all the big decisions right in September for you? He did, for sure, yeah. I liked, uh, I liked a lot what James said there about him. The 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 bit that uh, I, th- I think is really key this season is like player improvement, and you look at like the 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 most uh, important one for me is Darwin. I I know a lot of people have backed Darwin regardless, but he did struggle at times last season. That's just a fact. In, in numbers, he did. He wasn't quite getting the pressing game, and you can dig into why that is, or you know why his finishing wasn't quite what we'd hoped it would be. Why it just wasn't quite working for him. Why Klopp sort of stopped playing him. But the numbers this season, I don't think you can just credit Darwin himself with the the improvement he showed across the board. I think that has to just be hard work in the coaching department. I think they've really like got their hands on him, you know, and and worked hard to drill into him the things that we want to see how to press well in this team. And I I, I fundamentally think that Klopp and and the, I mean we're saying Klopp, but we're talking about kind of the whole the whole coaching staff behind all of this this season. I think they they are the reason for Darwin's uh, kind of upturn in form, and I liked all the other ones that James mentioned. The other players that have boosted. I remember Thiago saying, you know, about all the different managers he'd had and how he'd learned this from Pep and this from this guy, you know, and this from that guy. When it came to Klopp, he basically said that he taught him to run. You know, he made him understand the kind of value of running and pressing and these sort of things. And uh, I, I really like how Klopp kind of self labels his team. It's I think for a lot of managers, that would come off like a really cringy thing to do, to be calling your team 2.0 and things. But when he coins them, they seem to stick. And, you know, the mentality monsters was the old one. And this 2.0, I think he, he both in his sort of demeanour and the language he uses in these press conferences, I think he's rubbing off on the players. I think he's given, he's letting them believe in this kind of new team that we're, that we're building in this new direction that we're heading in. And, uh, yeah, I think that's that is just such an underrated skill that he's got there. He he gets people believing in him, and all of us included. You know, we go along for the ride with him every time. You can take it all the way back to that kind of ridiculed moment where he had them bowing against West Brom when we drew two all, and he's just kind of repeatedly done these things through his Liverpool career and found ways to 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 you know pull the club and the fans and the players all together in the right direction, and then. When you when you put that together with the the kind of tactical um, in match decision success that he's had this season, it just kind of collects into the whole package for Klopp. And I think he's he's having as good a season as a manager as he has had at Liverpool, as well as the likes of Allison. I think you know Klopp obviously has had some phenomenal seasons as our coach. It looks like he's heading in that direction, kind of on that trajectory this season. Yeah, I'd agree. And even when I look back at it, I even looked at things like tactics. I mean, we all remember how horrendous that first half against Wolves was. But he got the sub spot on, didn't he, when Diaz comes on at the, at the start of the second half, then Darwin, and we just take over the game. Jota coming on, getting late goals at times, that thing. Keeping keeping five forwards hungry as well. Like you mentioned before, even when it didn't look like it was quite happening for Gappo when you were kind of worrying Oh, no, but worrying's a bit strong, but just starting to concern is, is he the fifth of the five, so to speak? And now look how it's turned around for him. He's got them all sort of firing. Who would have thought a manager will get Jane, oh, sorry, Joe Gomez playing in the Trent role? That seems mad to say, but he got it done. Who would have thought he'd have got Matip revitalised, you know, pocketing Antonio, things like that. And also, even this season when we've gone down to, to 10, which unfortunately we're talking about far too often, but we've got to be honest about it. We, um, You're not like we're going to get hammered here, which let's be honest, we would have been last season in a lot of these games. It just seems that, hold on, we're still in this. We might even nick it type of thing. I think there's so much on top of that. Like you said, the way he's coining it, he's got them united. It just seems to be completely fresh somehow, under Jürgen. The only thing I want to sort of finish on with this, because we should always have balance in our lives, as it were, and I know we've been positive, so I'll just give you a few words, and I mean a few words, below a 1,000 on this, Mark Evans, but I'll come to you first of all, James. I'm sure you've seen it, Jamesy, the press conference, where 
I want to phrase my words carefully because he talked about how he believed a replay would be appropriate. But obviously in football, it's the nature of it. So we didn't actually call for it directly, but he said that. Keep it brief, James E. Do you think he was wrong or right in what he said today? I, I, f- I think that if it goes a replay, it ends up opening a can of worms and it can it can cause a whole lot of fight. I, I think at the end of the day, there's been negligence. And I think what we should do is just move on, unfortunately. Um, you know, like it's 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 a, it's bad to say, but I think that's a, the only thing that we're going to do. I think that it's just wasting more energy, um, and keep going on about it. I think we have to move past this. Um, but there is an article. I think it's Article Fifty Two, um, that could stipulate a replay. So I think that's what he was um referring to. Yeah, he kind of alluded to it without without going there directly. And, and I've got to be honest, I'm in the same camp as you. I just want to use it now as a, a siege mentality, us against them. Use it as a uniting force, so to speak. I mean, keep it brief, which will be difficult for you, Mark. But what he said in today's presser, honest thoughts? Well, my first, I read the quotes kind of on Twitter before I saw the, the full interview. And uh, my, my first kind of feeling was my gut was a little bit embarrassment actually because a lot of us had got but you've been seeing other other pundits and fans kind of saying this oh Liverpool want a replay it's embarrassing like what are they like well you know always the victims all this sort of nonsense and uh a lot of Liverpool fans were rightly fighting back and saying nobody's asked for a replay like stop that knock that on the head we, and we hadn't we hadn't been doing that in fact I hadn't seen it anywhere until Klopp said it uh, so I was a little bit embarrassed when I first saw him do that. I didn't think that was necessary to go there. There's been everything possible said about the the incident and the the ins and outs. And uh, it, it, I mean, it's tragic. We won't go into the actual incident itself. It's just madness, true madness. However, I would counter it by saying when I did finally get round to watching his interview. I thought he spoke pretty brilliantly. More generally, if you remove the specific line about the replay. I thought everything else he said about it was really good. He said he didn't want any more punishment for the guy. He said he must have gone home, you know, and felt terrible about it. He said that he isn't even angry himself. You know, it's just really a case of can we look at this logically as humans and say something went wrong there that shouldn't have gone wrong? What can we do about it? Uh, and if that's a replay, so be it. If it's if it's just a changing of the legislation and how that all works, you know, so be it. Um. So, yeah, I don't think he should have gone there. I don't think that was necessary. Just saying the word was dangerous, I think. And it does kind of, I think, weaken our stance somehow uh, in the whole thing. I did I did think we had a little bit of a sort of moral high ground, which we've surrendered a touch of by using the word replay. Uh, but I do think he spoke quite well on the subject. And all in all, I think it's... I think there's there's always a lot of sort of psychological warfare with Klopp, and I don't think he necessarily meant it should go to a replay. You know, I think it's part of him building this, as you called it, siege mentality. I think he likes to do that, you know, and I, I think that's maybe just part of the game. It felt like a bit of a sort of Sir Alex Ferguson move that to me. Uh, you, you know, you remember he had some huge hyperbole ones in his day. The sort of you remember when uh, the fellow got hit by the ball, and then he said he could have killed him and all this sort of stuff. The managers do do that from time to time, and you're just building this kind of hyperbole picture on purpose, you know, to to get everyone behind you and all backed up. And like, you know, you can imagine in the changing room over the next couple of weeks, that's going to come up. Klopp's going to use that in his uh, in his speeches. You know, don't let them beat us today. You know, we have to make sure we have to, you know, this that the next thing. So all in all, I don't think it's a terrible thing that he said it. Yeah, it's a. Uh... It's an interesting one. I, I kind of still swithering a bit. I like. I don't see it as all negative, but like you said, I don't. I don't like the fact it was used. And I do hope either way we're kind of. Yeah, I think by the end of October, I kind of hope we're not talking about it, so to speak, because the Reds have rumbled on. But to use your line, Jamesy, on that time will tell. And gents, as much as we've talked about on the field, finally, finally, we had some investment talk off the field so god this has been rumbling on it seems for 56 years but dynasty equity now have that minority or a set to have that minority when it's fully ratified so 
as per the numerous articles, it could be up to $164 million or approximately $200 million in translation and up to a maximum of a shareholding of approximately 3.8%. I mean, the talk is it helps clear the debts, you know, the operating debts, there's Annie Road, the training ground, the general ones that existed. And I think there's quite a few strap lines from the patch journals had it put us back on an even footing and, you know, help us not having to service those payments. Those were the phrases I kept saying repeated. I mean, I'll come to you, first of all, for this, Mark, because naturally we've had a few months when we've talked about this and it almost seemed like it was gone completely quiet. I suppose I'd bet good money it's not what either of us expected, but honest thoughts on it? Yeah, similar to the the Klopp uh, quotes about replay, my instant reaction and my kind of now more balanced view, I think, has changed. My instant reaction was disappointing. You know, it wasn't the name we all wanted. wasn't the amount we all wanted. Didn't really open up the doors for anything significant to change in the club, which, you know, I think every Liverpool fan wants just that little bit more investment on the team specifically, you know, in transfers and I think we 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 had put a lot of our hopes in the the investment that was to come, be that a full sale, a you know a portion, whatever it was going to be. That the the thing that would fundamentally change would be just a little bit more money on the field. Um, so I was disappointed when I saw it was such a small amount, and you know to to not the world's biggest player or whatever. Um, but then as time's gone on, I've read more articles, and like you just said there, if it's to service the debt, if it if it brings all that right down or even gets rid of it completely, because the number does seem coincidentally close to the amount of debt Liverpool carry, um, which which would kind of lead you to believe the stories of, you know, it's there to clear that so that we're not servicing and repaying year on year. Uh, then actually it's maybe more positive than we're letting on because... I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> This is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac, and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. I don't think many Liverpool fans want, you know, kind of oil money and whatever to become a toy and be splashing this, that, the next thing. We've always just wanted a little bit more. And in servicing the the debts and repaying them you know that can it varies year on year depending on how much the club decide you know is is available to pay in repayments and you know obviously there's the interest every year but you know that can go up to 30 million around that sort of number it can be 10 million whatever way you look at it that's coming directly off uh, off the available funds and so to to just increase that immediately you know kind of from this moment on going forward that has to be positive, doesn't it? Because we've already increased the revenues significantly in in building the two new stands. I mean, not just that, but the revenues, you know, in marketing and all the all, all the different things FSG have succeeded in since they came in. So if we're doing that now from an even keel, that's actually a really good place to get to. And I, I'm really looking forward to seeing if that translates into the money being spent, as we hope it will. Because like I said, I don't think it needs like fundamental ripping out and changing. It just needs more. And FSG have done a great job, you know, on building up the club's income. It's really just about getting a little bit more of it on the park now. And, you know, that's the stands done. There's probably no more imminent work on the stadium coming up. 
the training ground's done. So in theory, you know, if the debts are cleared, we should finally get to see kind of what the new Liverpool is financially, what their capabilities are, you know, where they're willing to, are they now willing to stretch that little bit further, you know, instead of, you know, like take the Bellingham one as an example, you know, that it kind of turned into one of those super deals, didn't it? That you see the the biggest clubs go for, where the wages start at such a high level, even for a young player, and there's fees to whoever, fathers, agents, and Liverpool shy away from those. And they do that ultimately because they don't think they can afford to do it and still get the amount of business done they want. So I, I think it'll be interesting to see if if we've moved up the ladder a little bit, if you will, in in terms of what we can do now, you know, in, in recruitment terms. Yeah, it is interesting. And maybe, maybe like you said, we're not going to see it for a while anyway, but the overall impact is difficult to gauge. I mean, Jamesy, I know obviously this is the first one for you on Red Alert, so never really gauged your thoughts. What is your honest take on this dynasty media situation and the investment? Right, so... You take, for example, when FSG came in, they bought the club for three hundred million. Okay, it's worth three point five billion, and they're they're selling off a two to three percent share, just a more or less even keel. I a bit of pandemic, a bit of the training ground, um, and they're also saying transfer as well. I think it's a good good thing. I think that um, you you know, as much as we. I come back into Mark's point saying that we would like more money for transfers and you know we would like to see a little bit more cash splashed but at the end of the day we'll have a sustainable club it's run the right way um, it, we know that we're kind of in this for a long haul and it's a sustainable project so I'm all for it Dave I think who it is as well. It's you know a dynasty equity. It is actually a sports franchise um, and it, it's something that's Definitely been thought about a lot before we've actually went and pulled the trigger on it. So I'm for it, Dave. Yeah, it's a it is an interesting one, and we won't go about this too much before the next Ben boys come after us type of thing. But, but yeah, it's I think the one overriding factor I'm thinking in it now is, and I don't know if you you boys agree with this. I don't want to hear or see now any more articles about us playing the pauper. Because if the debts are cleared, the stands are built, you know, eventually when it comes around, et cetera, that type of thing. We know the wage bill has been absolutely slashed beyond belief with all the levers. You know, even as you think towards the summer, the likes of Tiago and Matip probably you know, de- departing. There really is no reason to be hearing any of that tactics nonsense about, oh, we've got to count the costs and all this, you know. And if we get in the Champions League, well, what what could possibly be the excuse, especially now this is in, that there really would be none. So it may take a bit of time to naturally realise we're not going to see straight away, but might not be what everyone's wanting, but I don't see how it can be a negative, even if you class it as a bit of a, a non-story. We'll all have our different opinions on that, but yeah, it will be interesting to see. And the final part of the show, gents, we look ahead naturally to October, which starts tomorrow as we go Union SG in the Europa. An interesting game against Brighton away coming up at the weekend. The Derby, an early kickoff on the 21st. Christ, I should have just saying that, to be honest. Then we go to lose in the Europa and we finish the month with Forest at home. And for the love of God, an international break again sandwiched in between there. So there's a lot to be excited about, but there's a few things that might just be sort of prickling there, shall we say. So, Jamesy, I'll come to you, first of all, for this. When you look at that month ahead, it seems a lot less games all of a sudden for October, even though there's one, only one, but maybe with the big international break, seems that they're more spaced. Honest predictions, you're thinking, for October ahead? Honest predictions, looking at Brighton away was, was something I was I was a bit concerned about. But the reason I'm not concerned is they're playing Marseille tomorrow night and it's away and they, they need to win. So I think that's going to be a tough game for them. Plus Brighton, are, they're blowing hot and cold. So that's obviously the, the, the game that I'm highlighted straight away. And then obviously home to Everton, I, I think will be Everton at home. I think it's just I just think we're too strong for them this this season. Um, I think we'll win all the games in October, Dave. 
Woofed. Woofed. I know we were being optimistic. I do. Mark, is, is James here on, on the drink midweek? Are you going the same way? What are you thinking? Have we lost you, Mark? Are you totting up the points? Are you calculating there? <laughs> I, I was uh, I was still on mute there actually, Dave. <laughs> I was uh, I, I was basically saying I think I think normally I go against James in these things. I normally think he's uh, you know smoking something. He's all he always fancies us to win every game, but I find it really hard to disagree with anything he said there. And I think he's right. The Brighton one was the kind of one to pick out. And for the reasons he said, I actually do think we'll go and win it because that Marseille one is a big one for them. They're really going to have to go for that. Um, and then the game at the weekend, I th- I'm sure you guys were too. I was shocked at, at that. I watched uh, I watched a lot of that one against Villa and they got absolutely trounced. It, kind of, it felt like, um, you know, when like promoted teams come up and they, they're on there, a bit of a kind of honeymoon thing, you know, when the season starts. And they, they come in, you know, having won a lot of games last season and they've still, they're carrying that kind of confidence and slowly they get kind of ground down as the season goes. I'm actually wondering maybe is that going to be the path we see for Brighton? Because they obviously lost McAllister and uh, Paisedo, the absolute engine room in the team. You know, I know that they're great at their, their transfers and incomings, but I, I mean, that just has to have an effect, doesn't it? It has to. You can't just carry on having lost two players that were that important to you. So I think we'll go and beat them. I agree, Everton at home will will beat them convincingly. I really think this is... I mean, we've seen some weak Everton's over the years, but I think this is the weakest of the lot. The two European games uh, at Anfield think will win them convincingly, to be honest, because like I said earlier, that even these guys who are coming into the squad, the Graven Birches and Endos, they're finding themselves in confidence now. So I'm excited for those. And and Forrest at home, the last one, yeah, I can't see anything but us but us beating them. So very positive. Interesting. Yeah, I uh, I kind of hope it's almost been a, it's a weird one because it, we looked on paper and it was such a difficult start, especially the first few months in the aways that we, you know, we've had and we've, kind of cleared off the docket already. But there's just that bit in me that they always say, you know, beat the dross and, and it goes from there type of thing that Forest, it should be. Let's just hope it's not. It's that Everton game that's just, it's just got this prickling feeling to me. It's 12.30, it's Saturday. I'm hoping that because it's the derby, it maybe takes care of itself. But again, not trying to preempt the future as well. It's after an international break, and we usually know what those mean for Liverpool, so to speak, especially as it's a bloody early kickoff. But I, without drinking the full James Kool Aid, I actually do think it is going to be a positive October. And do you know what? We're, we're being bullish, and we may well look stupid when we look back in a month's time, but I am going to go myself for a clean sleep, clean sweep and the feelings roll on. So I will back that as well. I suppose final questions, final questions for, for this. And I'll ask you both gents for, for this pod. October, who do you think is going to be the main man? Because we named three. It might be one of those three. It might be someone different, but who do you think is really going to shine in October? Jamesy, I'll come to you first. I think Nunes. I think there's a couple of nice, tasty um, treats there for him uh, with Toulouse and Forrest, I think, Nunez. Nice. Maybe get on the goal trail. And Mark, who are you going for? Yeah, I mean, I, I like that Nunez show. And if Gakpo is injured you know, for any time, then Nunez should finally get the minutes that he probably deserves, you know. Um, but I'm, I'm going to go for the more boring option of Mo Salah, I think. As good as Salah's been, and I know his numbers are actually really good, I feel like he's also been a little bit unlucky and on the verge of really exploding into the season. Uh, so I, I think it's going to be a big old month for Salah. Yeah, I just think Mo Salah again. I mean, it almost feels terrible to say, and I still think on Saturday, Diaz was rab- robbed of a great goal on his tally. And Mo Salah was robbed of another great assist on his tally. So 
I can't see anyone but the Egyptian king rolling on. And maybe in a weird way, in a weird way, we may hopefully not have to rely so much on Alisson. It'd be good if we didn't keep going behind or asking him <laughs> to pull them out of the bag. That would just be nice for the month of October. But listen, however it comes, we've all predicted maximum points. So we're all going to be very happy and very smug. Or we're all going to be looking like absolute tools come a month's time, aren't we? With a lot to explain for ourselves. Simple as that. So all it really needs me to say is, Mark, James, thanks very much for your time, gents. Much appreciated. Pleasure. Good stuff. And that, ladies and gents, was another Red Alert September for Anfield Index. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.